Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. My own internalized sexism, I think, is something that is a big obstacle for me. And it's this doubt, this anxiety of like what will people think if I do this? Are they going to think that I'm stepping across the line or like pushing a boundary? And sometimes it actually drives me to do that because I want to cross the line and push the boundaries. My name is Spree Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. And right now we are in Seattle, Washington. Yes. And I have Monica here. Hello, Monica. Hi, how's it going? So good. Okay. So go ahead and formally introduce everybody to you and a little bit about what you do. Sure. So my name is Monica Houston, and I work for Hackster.io, which is like GitHub for hardware. And some people are at a very beginning stage in their tech profession. Some people are super seasoned. So for those starting out, what is GitHub and what is hardware? So GitHub is a version management system, and it's sort of a sloppy um, comparison because we don't actually do version management for hardware, but we are a place where you can post your projects with all of their source code. So if you're building, for instance, an Arduino or a Raspberry Pi project or something that involves physical, not just code, so a physical object, you can post your design, your CAD files, your code, and your schematics, all of that, and instructions for how to do it. On, on to Hackster. And then how does Hackster help? So we are we provide the platform, or we're the platform for posting those. We also run events. We also run contests. And uh, we also sometimes we'll do bounties, so we'll commission projects to be made that are really awesome projects. Like, does Hackster have um, partnerships with makerspaces? Uh, we do. So, sort of. Uh, we do. So, one of the things that I worked on was Hackster Live, which yeah. is our live events. Yeah. So, a lot of times we do events in makerspaces around the country. And actually, the first thing we did was a tour of the U.S. Nice. Yeah. So we did – I got to visit all these different makerspaces around the U.S., which was something I That's wanted so to cool. Do. How many did you go to? We drove – so we had 12 stops total. Yeah. So we drove – through, I want to say like 20 states. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> it was way lot. too much driving. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot of driving. How long did it take you? Uh, we did that over five months. We did the final event like a couple months later, though, in September. So we started in February through June and then did a uh, final And did event. you drive a bus or did you guys have a car? Or who was part of the team? Yeah, so it was just uh, the founders and then me and Alex. Um, Alex is the, I guess, czar, like something of... Hacker relations, yeah. Hackster. So she does a lot of really cool projects. She has a YouTube channel uh, where she uh, posts her projects and like unboxings at different boards and stuff. 
We drove a van. We were going to drive a DeLorean originally. What? How yeah. cool is that? But we still had the DeLorean. We covered it with stickers from our sponsors, and it yeah. broke down. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up towing it around the country instead. You towed a DeLorean around the country? Yeah. That's so – that's wild. It was crazy. When did you first fall in love with technology? Um, I started doing Adobe – so Flash Action Script programming. Right. When I was 18, I got a job as an intern at an, a research lab, and so I was uh, working for the graphic designer there. So I was doing interfaces, and I had a lot of Action Script programming. It was so cool to, like, be able to make my own paint program yeah. and stuff like that. That was when Flash was still really commonly used. Yeah. <laughs> so – then, uh, junior year of college, I was looking for a new job and because I had gone on exchange and I needed a new job, and I applied for a job at the help desk at yeah. Penn State where I went to school. And I was thinking, like, this, I would be a, a greeter at the help desk, yeah. the position I was applying for. And the guy sat at the uh, desk there was like, We don't have that position anymore. Are you technical at all? And I was like, No, I'm not technical. Yeah. And he and then I walked out and he walked, followed me out and he was like, "Are you sure you're not technical? Like maybe I really need this position to be filled." And I was like, "Well, I write some action script and stuff." Yeah. And he was like, "That's technical." Yeah. <laughs> so I applied for that position and I got it and I got to take apart computers and fix people's email. Uh, so that was uh, I realized I actually was technical. <laughs> it seems like a really organic path that you've walked on. Like you've kind of in a sense, stumbled upon these opportunities and discovered more and more about yourself and your tech side as you move forward. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, totally. It wasn't something that I was, uh, that I thought I was, I guess, qualified for yeah. in high school or college. It was um, definitely, I definitely like my internalized sexism that held me back a bit from, from doing things that I wanted to do thinking that it was like a, something for guys, you know. That's what I thought you just said. Now, why What? Why did you feel that way or think that? Do you happen to remember like a trigger point or, or was it just kind of like, was it kind of just there, that, that perception, or was there actually something that created it? I think it was just there. There's a lot of like small things. For instance, um, like, you know, guy friends of mine would get computers for their birthdays. Girls would yeah. get clothes for their yeah, birthdays, yeah, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Like really small messages that yeah. constantly told you. Or like my guy friends would have land parties, but they wouldn't invite me. My yeah. older brother would do computer stuff, but it was never something that I was invited to join in. So interesting. So I was interviewing, I talk about this a lot. I was interviewing this woman in Dunedin in New Zealand, and she was telling me how she observed that um, restaurants give boys interactive toys and give girls like beauty related things mm -hmm. like a mirror or something where a, a boy will have a, a car. And I never thought about it before, probably because I don't have kids. And it's interesting how we just on default get a certain type of item instead of something else. Yeah, yeah, there's so many little things you don't even know yeah. like, where it comes from. Yeah. yeah. And and it turns out the more interactive exposure that we have, the younger on, the more like having a car, having um the seeing the spatial use of the car, uh -huh. how it goes, where to stop it. It, it all leads to technology uh, in the future. Yeah, that makes sense. It's so interesting. <laughs> or Legos, building blocks, yeah. stuff like that. Never mm -hmm. even occurred to me. I mean, my father got me into tech. He had all the early gadgets and he got me into video games and 
Like all of that, even at my love of action sports started. My dad took me to motocross events. Like, oh, wow. That's so cool. It's like, it's all what you're exposed to. Yeah. It's interesting. And okay. So then, um, and then you went on, where did Hackster started to become a thing? So Start to become a thing. Yeah. Four years ago, I guess yeah. I started, I joined, uh, 2014, started planning the, the tour. Yeah. Like DeLorean at the end of 2014. Yeah. And so that was my, uh, the, the two founders started it. Uh, 2013. And what is your role at Hackster? Uh, a little bit of everything. Yeah. I run a lot. So I run a lot of the events. I yeah. did Hackster Live for a while. Um, I make projects also. Yeah. And this is going to come in the middle of the podcast all the time because I keep forgetting to ask it because it's a new question. Is this your first podcast interview? It is my first podcast interview. Yes. <laughs> okay. See, I, I have to remember to ask uh-huh. this because it's so many people's first and yeah. listeners aren't aware of that. Mm-hmm. So were you scared? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and and you decided to show up anyway. Yeah. What did you tell yourself? Uh, that I need to practice to learn how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, give me five for showing up. Um, okay, so getting back on track now. I just think it's so much fun that it's so many people's first interview. Yeah. I think that's so much fun. So why Hackster? Like, why did you want to be a part of that team? What attracted you? So I had actually, two years before Hackster started, I a friend and I, 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 so I was working for Google doing like basic, yeah, um, some basic web development stuff. And one of my friends there, who was also, he was also on the web team, yeah. he... Uh, he and I both wanted to make a site for makers because yeah. I was getting really into 3D printing yeah. and I was super excited about makerspaces. Yeah. I had joined the local makerspace Jigsaw Renaissance here. Yeah. And so we started working on a site that we called Makester. <laughs> That's great. Isn't that funny? Yeah. yeah. And then we ended up having like a little argument and not finishing it. So when my... F- when I heard about Hackster a couple of years later, yeah, and then the the founder, the Adam Adam Benzion was uh, the founder here in Seattle. Yeah, I had met him through a hardware hackathon that I had run through Startup Weekend. Yeah, so I had asked him. I heard that he. I made a list of all the different hardware companies in Seattle. Right, just asked him for sponsorship, and he was one of that replied. Yeah, and he was you know really excited about sponsoring, and so we, he just seemed like a really cool guy. Yeah, so we sort of became friends, and then. When he started this company, I was like, this is like my dream company, my dream job. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And for you, what is one huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? What did you learn from it? I, I want to say myself again, like I was overhearing your other, other interview. Yeah. She said it herself, but my, my own internalized sexism, I think is something that is a big obstacle for me. And it still is like, it's every day it's this, you know, can I do that? And it's this doubt, this anxiety of like, yeah. what will people think if I do this? Are they going to think that I'm stepping across the line or like yeah. pushing a boundary? And sometimes it actually drives me to do that because I want to cross the line and push the boundary. So yeah, there's a lot of that that has held me back, but also pushed me forward. Yeah. I, um, I don't, I don't feel a block for se- like sexism, but I mm-hmm. do feel I'm my own block. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm definitely my own block where I'm just like, oh, especially when I get um opportunities to like give a keynote talk. I'm uh, like, even though I've given I don't know how many at this point, like you seem like you'd be good at that. Yeah. Like I've given so many keynote talks. 
I am not any less afraid of giving a keynote. I freak out for a good like few oh, really? weeks every single day. <laughs> I feel anxious and I just can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> and I remind myself that I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it to serve others. Uh-huh. But I'm like freaking out and I get there and I'm like, oh my God, what if I fuck up the whole thing? And like, what if I'm an idiot? And like, what if everybody's bored? Or like, <laughs> like it's weird. And then someone, one of my friends said once, it just means you care. And I'm like, Okay, well, if it's caring, I guess, but like, <laughs> but it feels awful. Like, and every single time, I'm like, I'm never gonna give a talk again. I can't handle the anxiety that goes along oh, with man. it. Yeah, I was hoping that would go away at some point. <laughs> Maybe I'm I'm hoping yeah. I'm hoping too that it goes away at some point. My friend Mark Eman gave me the best advice. He, he's actually the guy that designed the YouTube player. Um, he's one of my favorite speakers in the world. And he said, people don't remember what they say. They remember how you made them feel. Yeah. So I focus on that when I'm giving a talk, like how am I making people feel? Um, I love that advice, but regardless, I still have total anxiety. I think, I think it's great that we're talking about this because again, I bring this up in a lot of interviews that, um, in the tech world, we, as a, a uh, society put out this image that we're all perfect mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and that we have everything mastered and we're in control and it's actually quite the opposite. And so I think it's really brave for us to come out and say, Hey, we're, we're feeling very vulnerable and mm-hmm. this is what goes on. And, but we show up anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, what is your favorite book that you've read ever? Nah. <laughs> or are you of recent? Oh man. Uh, the one that I'm reading right now is, well, this is not a tech-related book at all, but it's Modern Loss. Do you know the website, Modern Loss? No, tell me. They, okay, so they were just in Seattle last week for an interview. I guess they're from LA also. Yeah. So, um, they have a website called Modern Loss, similar yeah. to like the New York Times Modern Love column, yeah. right? Where every every week they publish like a different story of loss. Right. And so it was a, it's like a... I don't know, like a safe space to like feel sad or like experience like grief. I guess interesting. So it was a really good. It's a they have so many different stories of like loss and grief. It's hard to read sometimes, but it's a it's a good book. Oh wow! Yeah. And how about your favorite um, tech tool? Like it could be hardware, software, a mobile app. Um, tech tool. I like Asana. <laughs> Asana's great. I use Asana Project management. So much. Yeah. yeah. Why do you like Asana? Uh, just it's what I use for all my different projects and it's kind of what it, it has every tool that I need for yeah. a project management. Yeah. Awesome. And, and if you could give yourself advice when you were first starting out, what would that advice be? I guess like it's really cheesy, but just follow your passion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah don't try to be somebody you're not cause you're not gonna be able to anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people connect with you online? Uh, it's so I'm on Twitter at Zebular at Zebular 13, which is Z E B U L A R 1 3. Wait, that's not your last name. No, that is. What's that stand for? So Zebular was a superhero character that I made up when I was a kid. That was, oh my became God, my screen name. I love name. that. <laughs> what was the story of the superhero? Uh, Zebular was a little bit like Spider Man, yeah. but really like skateboarding. That was, what? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I love skateboarding. I own a skateboarding company. I'm I'm terrible at skateboarding. So no way. That tell was a me more. Tell that me I more. wish that I were. <laughs> like, what superpowers did Zebula- uh, shooting webs? So they would shoot webs at like cars that were passing cars and ride their skateboard behind them. No, I totally <laughs> want to read. Can I go to a comic book shop and get this? <laughs> no, this is like this. Right, my story is that I wrote when I was a kid. Wait. 
Yeah. You created. Yes. You created this character called Zebular. Yeah. No. Yeah. (laughs) This is so cool. Zebular needs to live on. It, well, it does in my username. <laughs> no way. That's so cool. How old are you? Uh, like 12. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I have a pen name too. I'm not going to say what my pen name was because that defeats the purpose or is. Still go under that pen name. But That's awesome. Yeah. It was um, a movie that really inspired me. And one of the characters, I just felt I was, it was really relatable. So when I was 13, I picked this, I just started going by her name. Wow, that's yeah. so cool. So you've yeah. all this writing on the internet somewhere that's under this name? Or? I, I write under this name oh God, or like, amazing. yeah, I use this. I like if you said this name, I would respond to it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but not many people, like nobody, like it's just, it's not even my alter ego. I feel like it's my real self, but it's like the dark version or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like the the writer side, like, nice. like yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Um, one last question. If all of the global tech community in the world can get together and do something to support you in your success, to accelerate you forward, what would that ask be? Oh, so there's something I'm really interested in right now, yeah. uh, which I don't have time for right now, but <laughs> is biohacking. I'm yeah. so fascinated with, and like my favorite thing is I, I guess I just have like different interests every couple months. I'm like onto a new thing, but right now, like DNA, I'm so fascinated with DNA, yeah. the data science of genome data science. So I would love to meet some of the people that are also interested in that yeah. and, you know, maybe talk about making, um, I have an idea for like a perfume company that involves DNA. So I would love to talk with some people that could make that a reality. Yeah. Oh, cool. And repeat your your username again, how to spell it. It's Z-E-B-U-L-A-R 13. Zebular 13. I love Zebular. (laughs) Thank you so much, Monica, for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. Thank you for having me. You've been awesome. Remember, you can connect with more incredible women in tech on the Women in Tech Facebook group. Just go there by going to womenintechvip.com, womenintechvip.com. Thank you to my friend Walt for coming up with that URL. I was like, Walt, Women in Tech is taken. He's like, how about Women in Tech VIP? I'm like, perfect. Because everybody would be like, which one is it? I see so many Women in Tech Facebook groups. And also, you can say hello, ask for the Women in Tech sticker on socials, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hi, it's Monica Houston, and I'm the director of Hackster Live at Hackster.io, the GitHub for hardware. I'm based in Seattle, Washington, and you're listening to Women in Tech. Women in Tech is an independently funded project funded by you, the community. So the way that you could support us is by going to patreon.com slash women in tech and making a small contribution. Every little bit counts. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash women in tech. Thank you so much for believing in our vision. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.